0: Hey, Kayla. What, David? You know what kind of day it is today?
1: If you're going to say brazzle, 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 da- it's a razzle dazzle thing! It's brazzle. It's, it's
0: it's razzle brazzle?
1: It's uh, brazzle, brazzle, bra- wait, it's a brazzle.
0: It's a razzle, it's it's razzle dazzle.
1: It's
2: brazzle dazzle.
0: Are you sure?
2: Sakura? So, do you know what it is? No. <laughs> Helpful. Uh, I thought it, I think it's razzle brazzle but then I've heard other things too. So I think it, whatever you hear is right.
0: It's a. I
1: like this. It's
0: a. It's, it, it's, it's
1: actually brazzle dazzle.
0: Welcome to Animusing's Plus. Uh, I maybe I'm thinking of uh, the song from Chicago. You know, um, throw on a bit of razzle, razzle dazzle, razzle dazzle, razzle dazzle. Em. Yep, exactly.
2: <laughs> Let's oh. sing that song instead.
0: Let's yeah. do that. They should have sang that song in the movie. That was a
1: better song. Really. <laughs> uh, we have a guest with us.
0: Yeah, it's secret. Sorry, that's a really that's a really sad introduction. Why don't you why don't you do that? Why don't you why don't you? Do I'm sorry, I totally stole your thunder. That was terrible. Oh, this movie. Okay, uh, there's context to why I'm a little out of sorts right now, but um, uh, uh, we have our special guest and.
1: Sakura.
0: All around, yeah, all around awesome person, Sakura. Hi. Known for being Sakura.
2: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, she also
1: does Carnal Chills and actually is now a new voice for Manner.
0: That's right. Uh, uh, Sakura and I are part of the ensemble cast for uh, Manor, the podcast Manor.
2: Yes, there's that too.
0: <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> um, but yes, welcome, welcome to Animusings+. Plus.
1: We're not talking about horror today. Well,
0: it depends on your definition, because the Gogans are pretty horrifying.
2: The Gogans are like deliverance for children.
0: (laughs) I was joking with Kayla that someday the Gogans at some at some point those two the two youngest Gogans might eventually marry and have children, and we're looking at the uh, the background of the Hewitt family. So there you go. So, so yes, um, for, for context, uh, we are talking on Animusings Plus about Pete's Dragon from 1977. Seven. Also from 77?
1: Yes, 1977. Okay. Um, why are we talking about Pete's Dragon? Cause, Cause, it seems like a live action film. Well, there is a animated part and it's Pete's Dragon.
0: <laughs> it's the dragon itself.
1: Okay. Uh, why don't I give a little bit of background information for this?
0: That would be helpful. Um, and then, as usual, personal histories, and then we'll just talk about the film, because um, this is an interesting one. Uh, <laughs> I, mm.
1: Yeah, so uh, in 1957, uh, Walt Disney optioned the film rights to a, a unpublished, by the way. Okay. unpublished short story called Pete's Dragon and the USA that was written by Seton... Ar- Wait,
0: it's it the story was called Pete's Dragon in the USA. And Pete's Dragon and the US what?
1: Written by SI Miller and SS Field. Okay. Uh again, unpublished probably was a, uh in this this is not uncommon. Um uh when I worked in the film industry, especially in development, there would be like scripts and stories that got passed around that were never published, but um they were being considered like oh here is an idea for a store here's a story that could be made into something so mm-hmm. um, that that's not as surprising um uh, it was originally going to be intended as an installment for the magical world of disney mm-hmm.
2: uh but
1: then it got shelved uh there they said uh, let's not um so they brought it out uh and uh the first of all this is the, the what makes this movie important is that the animation director for this is Don Bluth.
0: Hey. Yes. Come up in the world a little bit there, Don, from the last time we saw you.
1: Yeah, n- not the best experience for Don Bluth. But no,
0: way. I, I figured it wasn't.
1: N- you want to know how much?
0: Is this what ultimately made him quit?
1: It's one of the main reasons he quit and started uh, his own. Uh, Started Don Bluth and then eventually made Secret of Nymph and uh, An American Tale and Land Before Time and basically just...
0: And Dragon's Lair.
1: Yeah, basically was like, hey, look how awesome I am as Disney starts to sink during the 80s. Uh, so, um, animation... First of all, uh, animation director, uh, Don Bluth, uh, he... The producers wanted him to make 900 feet of animation on a $1.8 million budget. Whoa. Yeah. So when the producers saw the first few scenes, they were very impressed and they said, okay, not 900, 1800. What? But, but
0: without changing the budget?
1: No budget nor the production schedule. Oh. Bloof? He delivered it on time, by the way, but they yelled at him for going $75,000 over budget. Excuse me. Yeah, like can't the,
0: make something for nothing. He
1: wanted they gave him one point eight million dollars to make nine hundred. Okay. Feet of it told him t- doubled it and he was able to do it with only like with just only going seventy five thousand dollars over budget. That's like a very minuscule of one point eight million. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, how dare you? How dare? Hmm. So uh, along with that, uh, Don Bluth, Gary Goldman, and uh, John Pomeroy. They worked about a hundred hours per week Oof. during production. Oof! Uh, when they applied for overtime pay, uh, their Disney instead said, "How about we give you an hour off for each hour of overtime you worked?" Yeah, Disney was not kind to them. But uh. but by the end of production, each uh, each uh, animator was owed six continuous weeks of time off.
0: That makes sense to me.
1: And they used all that time off to work on their uh private project. Banjo the Wild uh Woodpile Cat.
0: Banjo the Woodpile Cat.
1: And that would all that would usually be the stepping stone mm-hmm. that led them
0: off. There um, you go.
1: Along with it, so the director, uh, Don Chafee actually offered to share the directing credits with Don Bluth. Like it would say directed by Don Bluth and Don Chafee. Disney mm-hmm. said, No, this is live action. We're not doing that. Ah. Uh. And, uh, this was one of the reasons Bloof eventually departed from.
0: So, I'd like to say at this stage, I feel like we're firmly in the, where things are starting to go terribly for yeah. Disney. They're mismanaging things. They're not doing things as well. Um, and we've been feeling that for a little bit, Started to feel it, but the repercussions have not super hit. And this is where it's starting to happen. Um, so, this is, they make some bad, some bad decisions on the part of the, uh, the animators, the creators, and it just, well, Start the budgeting starts to become an issue, and then mm-hmm. not, yeah. So, and I feel like, uh, well,
1: I mean, we could, li- we could just get into it, I guess. Honestly, right? well,
0: oh. uh, at, when we, after we've talked about it, though, I, as usual, I like to ask you how the movie actually did, but um,
1: you know, I, I don't know if it's gonna, uh, if it's worth the surprise or not. Um, okay. It, so the budget was 10 million. Okay. They did make back their budget. It, it was a, Success but very mild they only got 18 million to start with. <laughs> uh Disney was very disappointed in this because they wanted Mary Poppins
0: They're never thing. gonna get Mary Poppins not with a movie this disjointed but let's talk about the movie
1: yeah and uh, its lifespan domestic gross is only like 36 to 39 million
0: again they were how are they expecting Mary Poppins out of a movie like this I don't just know. let's just be real okay uh personal histories with the film uh Sakura what about you? What's your personal history with this film?
2: Well, I remember watching it. I think I was six or seven. And because I grew up in such a little town, there was like Swap Meet Saturday, and my mother got a whole bunch of Disney films on VHS one Saturday. Mm -hmm. So I remember sitting down, watching that movie, and I didn't know if I wanted to laugh or turn it off. (laughs) Because it was just like, what is this? I mean, when you're like six years old, the Goggins are kind of creepy, I mean, when you're an adult, they're creepy. But as a little kid, it was like, oh my god, what is this? No, it's... But, but I mean, I liked the movie. Um, The animation... (laughs) I don't know how I felt about the animation. Six-year-old me did not like the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. As an adult, I like it more. I like the storyline. Yeah, it's a little tropey, but... Yeah, six-year-old me was not impressed.
0: I... Don't blame six-year-old you. I have a weird one in that I didn't see this movie until a couple years ago. I'd known about it. I knew about it in the periphery. And then Kayla introduced me to it and made me watch it. And this is me talking firmly without nostalgia goggles. I enjoy the movie while fully admitting it is not a very good movie, (laughs) in my opinion. uh, I actually thoroughly enjoy big chunks of it. So... Uh, so
1: same with Sakura, uh, I watched this movie as a kid too, I actually did own the movie, I, I mean, it wasn't a movie I watched often enough, um, I think it was, I actually remember exactly when I rewatched it again, and that was when I was 20, and I know this because that's when I watched Pushing Daisies.
0: Mmm, so, that's, okay.
1: So here's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Pushing Daisies is a TV show, If for people that don't know, um, uh, I forgot which channel it was aired on, but it only had two seasons. It was one of those shows that got, um, uh, basically suffered due to the writer's strike, mm-hmm. and um, it's a very good show, though. Like, it's so fascinating, and like, uh, it, okay, it's not Disney, so I shouldn't go on and on about this show, but like, I highly recommend it. I love it. It's like one of my favorite shows, so, um, but... They have an episode that, for some reason, they themed it to Pete's Dragon. Like, it was a weird love letter to Pete's Dragon. So I was like, oh, okay, I've not seen this film in years. I think I might rewatch it. And I do, and I'm like, this is the cheesiest This is such a cheesy movie. Everybody's just chewing scenery like crazy. (laughs) And then not only that, like, there's a bunch of actors I started recognizing, and I found it just got more and more hilarious to me. And I'm just like, this is like, this is not a good film, but it's an amazing watch by how silly it is.
0: I can kind of understand why they would want to do a show like Pushing Daisies that would want to do a little tribute. And it's not just because they had Jim Dale as their narrator.
1: Yeah, that's, that was In I don't know if they knew that. when They, they
0: didn't did. know it when they were putting it together. And then Jim Dale approaches like, you know, I played the villain in, uh, <laughs> in Pete's Dragon.
1: Yeah, so the funny part, uh, it, I don't, Sakura, did you ever read, uh, listen to the Harry Potter,
2: uh, tapes? Like, uh,
0: the, the books on tape?
2: Uh, no, I did not. Okay. But I do have the book of Pete's Dragon. Oh, wait. There is a there is a book with a little record that has the songs from the movie, and you can. It has like the little story, and you can read along with it and listen to the record. Oh. The only part of the movie that I really liked was I could get it to the exact point where Helen Reddy sang "Candle on the Water," and I would belt that song out.
1: Yes. Okay. (laughs) Also, that's another thing as a little kid. I actually did love that song.
0: Camel in the Water is a good song. I like
1: it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <laughs> uh, it, I mean, okay, so how do we begin this mess of a movie?
0: I think we begin, uh, acknowledging that, or I think we begin right at the beginning with, uh, the opening credits. I like that it's a one big long pan over a, like a painting. That shows, like, the lighthouse, the ocean, past It goes into the apple orchard, kind of goes into some trees. Then it fades out, and it fades in on a completely different set. But, you know, I like opening credit sequences like this, where it's just, like, some sort of cool pan over with, like... I, I wish I... W- it made me miss uh, opening credit sequences in movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Especially musical ones like this. They credited everyone in this, though. This, like... Eggman. Fisherman number two. Man with visor. Um,
1: And then it goes into... Uh, Opens with, out of the blue, we're in the forest at night, and there's a random red-headed boy.
0: Floating in the air.
1: Floating in the air, looking like he's holding on to something.
0: Clearly on wires.
1: <laughs> followed by a jump scare.
0: Yeah, this movie has jump scares like the worst kind of jump scares too. I swear every time the Gogans show up, they're the like the fur for the first time in certain scenes right before they do a song, there's a jump scare where they all leer out from behind some object. Like l- this is a good opportunity so Pete Pete and and this invisible force are hiding from the Gogans. I don't know why the invisible force needs to hide from the Gogans, but we have the Gogans. And uh let's let's talk about them because they're going to they're going to come up again later, but I think it's important to acknowledge that these are the most um, incompetent. uh, This is the most incompetent, and I guess they're supposed to be comic relief a little bit. They're, but she, I don't.
1: This. A, oh my god. They're just.
0: They're just gross.
1: Shelley Winters is the mom. She has two Academy Awards. <laughs> Jeff Conaway is one of the sons. He plays Kaniki in Greece. What is this?
2: You cannot tell me someone didn't look at Deliverance. In seventy-two, and say, "Hey, this would be really great for a kids' movie."
1: Oh yeah, there is no doubt this was influenced by that because first off, this takes so uh, the time period it takes place in is Maine in the nineteen hundreds.
0: Stephen King is somewhere going
1: Maine, Maine. Wow, well, maybe it is horror, horror really. <laughs> maybe someone, yeah.
0: According to Stephen King, everywhere in Maine is is haunted. So, but
1: like. What are these rednecks doing in Maine?
0: There's rednecks everywhere.
1: What are these, like, really redneck people doing in Maine? Are
0: we talking, like, yeah, that's kind of true. They, they sing the happiest home in these hills. I'm like, which hills?
2: Yeah, it's Maine. Are,
0: are y'all from Kentucky? Are y'all from Appalachia? Like, what's going on here?
2: But The river branched, and they took the wrong one. Yep. That's it. That's it.
0: They're... Robert Frost and I took the road, or the river away from West Virginia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's how far Pete has ran. That is how
0: Pete ran. Well, yeah. Well, well, Rand slash floated on the neck of his invisible dragon. Yep. Which again is a really awkward scene. They, they do better. They there's better invisible things that they do with the dragon later. But this part is just kind of awkward to me because he's just kind of floating, and just. This is the oh, this is the first song in the movie, by the way, oh,
1: the happiest home, the
0: happiest home in these hills, and there's just uh i, I don't I don't like this. I don't like any well,
1: okay, yeah.
0: no, okay, we'll okay. get to that, but I don't like this song, so
1: there's a okay, so the songs for me are uh, either really good hits, like they really speak to me or they're really bad misses, yeah, um. Uh, all so, all the songs were done by uh, Al Kasha and Joel uh, Hirschhorn. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, now this film was nominated for two Academy Awards, both for song choices. Uh, they were nominated. Like "Candle on the Water" was nominated for Best Original Song. Okay. And uh, the score, uh, as it was also nominated for Best uh, Original Song Score.
0: Okay. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. So
1: this first song, I'm not too fond of it. I, no, I don't like it. But... I think
0: one of my my weird issues with it is that the Gogans. The Gogans' motives are a little bit a little bit hazy, hazy. Because they're like, we just want to get Pete, so he'll come back and be our slave and do our chores. And then two brothers are talking about how they basically want to kill him in the most violent ways possible. I'm like, are they just angry, or they're they're they just saying, oh, we want to just when we get him, we just want to you know beat him up, shoot him, set him on fire, whatever it is they're saying. I don't like it. What do you make of this, Sakura? (laughs) I don't know.
2: I mean, yeah, it is one of those songs. It's like, I just, I don't like it. Yeah. If I can't (laughs) sing it myself and feel it, I don't like it. And I just, I didn't feel it. and didn't like it.
0: That's totally fair. You know,
2: okay,
1: you do have a point. You can't really sing this song.
0: I don't know this. I don't, I can't think of the lyrics of this song. Like, even now, I can't think of it, except for the brothers going like how we're gonna time to a railroad track or something, you know? Like, I'm like, Again, do you, do you want to kill him or do you want to actually put him to work? Cause like, you can't have both. I mean,
2: maybe his ghost could work. I, there's <laughs> an invisible dragon. Who knows?
0: Oh, that's true. Ghosts you know what? There, yeah. There, we, I want to, I want to talk about, eventually, I want to talk about the mythology we learn about Elliot here, which is interesting because like, how much of it is the dragon real? How much of it is just a pr- projection of, uh, of Pete's powerful, repressed psychic powers, you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's just, he's, he's, uh, Pete's familiar. I mean, like, um, I, I don't know. Anyway, so the Gogans the Gogans fall in some mud. Ha ha ha. And then they leave.
1: Crap falls.
0: And then, and then Pete goes to sleep in this hollow log. And when he wakes up, they're on a totally different set, but he's still in the same log. They were on a soundstage and then they're outside, but it's the same log. But it's, the scene change is pretty jarring to me.
1: And then we get to see him hanging out with uh, Elliot, and this is when we actually see Elliot for the first
0: time. If you didn't know this is animated by Don Bluth, it's super apparent the moment that Elliot pops up. Elliot
1: looks a lot like a Don Bluth cartoon. You cannot tell me otherwise. Yeah. I know. So I looked it up. It, Elliot was designed by Ken Anderson.
0: Right. He's in the. He's in the script is credited as the designer. Yeah, like the, but
1: you cannot tell me that this was redrawn by Don Bluth. Like this looks. Yeah. Like something out of any Don Bluth cartoon. I am sorry.
0: Oh yeah, no doubt. Um what do, what do we what do you think of Elliot's design?
2: I mean, I thought I don't know. <laughs> it's <laughs> as an animated dragon, I liked it, but at the same time it's a little too jarring with the live action scenery around him. Yeah. yeah, I it's almost like it felt like he was a little too flat. And again, I'm going to consider, you know, this was done in 1977. Mm-hmm. But it just I don't know. It just felt like Elliot was on another plane of existence from the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah, it...
0: It, he doesn't always feel like he's in the same scene. Like he like, exactly. when characters are interact Yeah, when characters are interacting with them, they seem it's a little off, especially Pete. Like, Pete will look past the area where he's supposed to be looking. Like, and-
1: clearly Pete's not looking. And it breaks
0: area. immersion a little bit. And it's funny because, like, we've seen them do this many times in previous films combining live action and animation, and-, and I feel like they were more spot on in the past.
1: Like, Mary Poppins, completely spot on. Like, they, they look like you're interacting with those, uh, with the penguins and the people around them. Like, y- this looks like they're in that world. Right. Why can't they do it here?
0: And we know... Well, because this is... Again, this was a rough period for Disney. And we know that they'll get better because eventually we get Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And that takes everything before it and makes it look like a joke. So...
1: Actually, fun fact. Uh, 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 his... Uh, let me get the... Uh, Don Hahn. Spelled H-A-H-N. Yes, Don Hahn. Uh, he actually was the assistant director to Don Bloop on this film. Mm-hmm. And because of his experience on this... He actually went on to go do work for Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
0: Mmm. Yeah, and... Right.
1: If... (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to get to Who Framed Roger Rabbit.
0: That's still gonna be a long time coming.
1: Uh, no, it's this year. Is it? Yeah.
0: We get to talk about Who Framed Roger Rabbit this year? Yes. On another Animusings Plus? Yes. Aw, Yeah. All right. This is good news. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but I think as far as the animation, if we had not started out with that scene of Elliot floating in the air on his invisible dragon, mm-hmm. there would have been maybe more of the feeling like, is there really a dragon? And the animation then of Elliot being not in the scene with them might have not been as jarring. That's a
0: good. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good. That's actually but, a good point.
2: It could have played more on the, you know, is Elliot there? Is this Elliot? Is this Pete's imagination? But we've already established that Elliot exists and this kid is riding on him. So why does he look like he's in another dimension from the rest of the film?
0: There's some, there's some weird issues I take just story-wise in general with how El- Pete interacts with Elliot in general and how Elliot interacts with the rest of the world. Like there's some there's some logic things that I don't understand. But
1: actually, um, funny enough, originally Elliot the dragon, uh, he was not going to be seen at all in the film. He was going to be invisible throughout the whole time.
0: Really, it
1: w- the animation um, department was like, please give him screen time, give
0: us something to do.
1: And then they were like, the
0: okay. movie. Well, okay, the movie would be a lot more. The, a lot more weird and boring in you know, a bizarre way if it didn't have at least one instance of an animated dragon pop-up let's well, just be real the
1: idea was then it was going to be he was going to be seen only at the end of the film
0: oh but then they decided to increase this how spotlight. do you market a movie with where the the dragon is invisible most of the time though just saying that, yeah I
2: mean, that it's... would be kind of hard <laughs> yeah
0: like looking at it realistically. I mean, I know I, they, they they're trying, but yeah, I agree with you, Sakura. It's like it just there's a disconnect when he's on when he appears. Still well animated. I mean, this is an animation podcast. You got to look at him. I mean, I think sometimes the the motions and stuff and actually look pretty good for Elliot. He's mm-hmm. definitely an expressive character. Um He's got that voice. Which is interesting, and
1: he's voiced by Charles Callisa, who is a comedian. Who is a comedian at the time? Um, I thought his voice sounded kind of familiar, so I looked him up. Um, he did a lot of Mel Brooks films, and
0: ah. like he
1: was the uh, soothsayer in uh, History of the World Part One.
0: Oh, think. was he? Yeah.
1: Ah, yes. You are going to Rome, <laughs> but I'm already in Rome. Do I lie? <laughs> it, it, that's him.
0: <laughs> Fantastic, so so they he he they eat some apples together, Elliot roasts an apple, and then we get the second song in the movie, which is uh a weird love song between a dragon and an imaginary dragon and a boy.
1: I love you too <laughs> yeah, also
0: not the most memorable song. Let's be real in my opinion, yeah, it really isn't no,
1: I also think the animation here compared to um. Uh, Pete is kind of weird, because there's a point where it looks like uh, Elliot is only twice his size. I'm like, whoa, did Pete get bigger, or did Elliot get smaller? And then later on, you see, like, Elliot's, like, really big compared to him. Like, what is the...
0: Elliot's size seems kind of mutable. Yeah. He's a very squash-and-stretch dragon, which, Mm -hmm. you know, is an animation term also, so... Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but he can become invisible, so maybe he makes part of his height invisible? I don't know. <laughs>
0: <He's so laughs> he, is a ma- he is a magical <laughs> dragon, as far as we know. There's no way those those tiny wings of his should be able to support him, but they do. So,
1: Well, look at the one part where uh, there's a point when they're about to go into Passamaquoddy and he makes parts of himself invisible and other parts
0: not invisible. and It's kind of a cute little bit, I guess. Yeah, that is. I I have a, I have a weird thing about matte paintings, and I like, I like the matte paintings in this movie when you see Pasmaquaddy in the distance. (laughs) It's obviously a matte painting, but I go, look at that little village. I'd check that out. That's, of course, before they go to the set that they have this little village built on. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, um, so then, 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 so Elliot's invisible for a bit. We get the song. It's not memorable. They go to Pasmaquaddy. Uh, Pete can read the sign, which is good shows that he's, He can, he's, he can at least read. Um, they go to town and Elliot is invisible and he makes a mess of things. He knocks a fence around. He, uh, steps in wet cement, which doesn't freak anybody out nearly as much as it should. And I'm convinced that while the Gogans are complete and total idiots, uh, no one in this town is very bright either. I, I can't be the only one who got that impression.
1: Oh no, the, the whole town are. Dump people as well. It's like for crying out loud, they're like, "Oh my gosh, this was totally this kid's fault," even though there's clearly big footprints on there that we can't explain, and we actually witnessed it happen. What?
0: We get a running gag. We get a couple running gags with the mayor here, like when he gets eggs dropped on him.
1: Oh, we already knew that was going to happen at some point. Those eggs were if those eggs did not fall. The
0: mayor is the mayor is played by a um, familiar actor who. I think did a lot of Disney stuff oh, did- following this. Yeah, I've seen him.
2: Yeah, know, he did, I, and now I can't remember the name.
0: Yeah, the <laughs> Pasmaquadi where the sun always rises, and the sun always sets. Yeah, I, I've seen him in a few, I've seen him in some other stuff. I'm just trying to remember where I've seen him. I'm
1: looking that up now. His name is Jim Backus. Um, That's right. He, um... I'm looking it, it up right now, what he has done. Um... Uh, oh, he was an M? Really? As a mayor? Sorry, M is a really good film. Like, but that's like a German film.
0: Wait, he was an M? Yeah. Not a remake of M, just M?
1: Well, it's, it says with- 1951. Yeah, it's that M. It's Fritz Langs' M.
0: You mean with Peter Laurie? Yeah. I'm just sitting here stunned. Like, yeah, what? I know. Dude. Like,
1: what a. Weird. Uh, he does the, also he's the voice of Mr. Magoo, by the way. That's where I've heard him. Okay. Um, I'm looking to see if he's, what did, if he's done other Disney stuff. Um.
0: Um, I thought he had. Um, so this is where I, around this point is where we get. Pete being really dumb. And as a, uh, I have, I have, I sat there looking at the movie going like, what? Where he bumps into the teacher and she gets mad at him, the school teacher, and he just goes, oh, it was my dragon. But he, didn't he make a big deal about Elliot being invisible so no one else could see him?
1: He's, he was on Gilligan's Island as Thurston Howell. That
0: was it! Yep. That was it! It's Mr. Howell! Yep. It's Mr. Howell! Oh my goodness. Mr. Howell is the mayor of Pasmaquaddy. (laughs) Thurston, Thurston Howell the Third. Yep. Dang, okay. That makes my day, actually.
1: Congratulations. Okay.
0: That's I knew I'd seen him somewhere. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm surprised he never called anyone lovey.
1: <laughs> well, this was after. Yeah. <laughs> uh
0: He'd want to get away from Gilligan's Island. You you stranded on an island that long, you'd want to get <laughs> away from it. Settle in a he he not only escaped from the island, but he escaped back through time and ended up in the early nineteen hundreds in Maine. Um good for him. <laughs> Uh But yeah, so, so this, let's talk about this thing for a second. Why is, why is Pete behaving in such a, d- this doesn't make any sense to me. It was my dragon. He did it. But didn't you tell the dragon to just to hide and be like be invisible, be invisible. And then all of a sudden you're, you are should make, you know, you know, so he keeps a low profile and then you start telling people about the dragon. I'm not sure if there was like a, a break in the script or something like where they originally, again, you, you, you saying they originally wanted to be invisible until the end makes a lot of sense. But then suddenly we see him, and we we tell, and he tells him to be invisible. I feel like this is a leftover from like no one else can see the dragon but Elliot, you know, mm-hmm. or not Elliot, but Pete. Sorry, I get it mixed up. Uh, so in that sense, it would have made more sense. But since he, since since uh, Elliot can become visible or invisible at will, and Pete told him not to be visible, but then Pete is breaking his own profile and then looking like a liar. Like why?
2: Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Cause, I mean, at that point, he, he could have just said, Hey, Elliot, make yourself visible. Problem yeah. solved.
0: There you go. But he doesn't. And also, why would he his cover story immediately be like, Oh, let me tell you about this dragon. When he didn't want anybody to see the dragon.
1: It's really, it, it, it the idea, I think they wanted to keep that whole idea of like, We're not sure if he's sane or not, but you can't exactly do that when you've seen this dragon can turn invisible and visible whenever he wants, so... Uh... Yeah, this is troublesome. But, the best part comes when a drunk Mickey Rooney comes out of the bar, (laughs) and it's... By the way, by the way, this was over the course of a night, and then they wake up in the morning... And this, so it's probably like, what, and he, oh it's, yeah, it's, he's it's, he's uh, run into, like, it's the, like, school is going on, or school has just started, too, so it's gotta be, like, at least nine o'clock in the morning. So Mickey Rooney is, like, uh, drunk as a skunk at nine o'clock in the morning.
0: <laughs> Lampy is drunk all the time. His name is Lampy, too. Like, what? <laughs> um, And he, uh, he, he's the first person to see, uh, Elliot after... Pete scolds him for getting in, like you 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 got us in trouble and I just keep you to help. You brought this on yourself, Pete. Mm-hmm. You did this. This is all your fault.
1: But let's be honest, Mickey Rooney going like, "Hey, your your friends a little green." I think he's like, "Dragon, dragon!" and just freaks out. It's like, "Oh yes, more Mickey Rooney. Mmm, this is good."
0: I think Mickey Rooney's one of the best parts <laughs> of this movie. Let's be real. There's a bunch of other parts that are really good, but I, I love Mickey Rooney in this. Um. I have this weird favorite moment right before the next song, where he he runs into the the bar and the first and just the look on his face and the first thing he just goes ah! <laughs> he has this little scream with this horror face, slams the door, that just starts muttering to people. For some reason, it's, um, that and moment he, where he's frozen he in the doorway like going drag!
1: ah! And then he runs over to the bar, grabs a drink, and down.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of people in that bar in the morning.
1: I find it interesting that first of all, uh, this character is clearly an alcoholic. And this is, like, something that is, like, shown throughout the film. Like, his alcoholism does cause him some issues. Uh, But but the funny part is, it's, like, it's never really shown as, like, a... Like, there's never, like, a redeeming thing about it. It's not really, like...
0: Because alcoholism is funny in the 70s. Although it's
1: kind of funny that both... uh, And I looked it up, uh, or this was brought up, um... That both Helen Reddy and Mickey Rooney, as well as, um... One of the songwriters, all three had alcoholic fathers, <laughs> and this is yeah.
0: Okay, jeez. But yeah, he 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 get he gets in there, and I just I just have I have a theory that everybody in Paz part of the reason they're all so uh, bizarre is because they all drink at the tavern at like nine in the morning. Like who everybody yeah, that the, tavern is full of people.
1: That tavern is packed at nine o'clock in the morning.
0: On a weekday, because kids are going to school. <laughs> <laughs> what is this town? Who are these people? I'm sorry, this movie is baffling, and I still really enjoy a good chunk of it, but it's so baffling
2: It's huh. like when when do you people work? Isn't this supposed to be a fishing village do no. do you ever get on the boat
0: <laughs> had the the fish shortage hadn't been established yet either, right? No, it hasn't yeah, there's a subplot about a fish shortage that comes in later, right? Yes, so, okay,
1: like midway through the film.
0: How do they afford yeah, Sikori, so you bring up a How do they afford the alcohol if they're not working and, in the afternoon?
2: How did they know there was a fish shortage if they spent all day in the bar?
0: <laughs> I guess they really needed people in the bar in the morning so that way Mickey Rooney could have his, A dragon! A dragon! I swear I saw a dragon! Which I, is, I like, I like this. I genuinely like this song. <laughs> but this starts the tradition in my mind of the worst context for having great big huge musical numbers. Some other musicals, I think, set up their their musical numbers, like dance numbers, better. Look at Mary Poppins. Look at the setup for Step In Time. Yeah. Is great, and it has all the good reasoning for, like, a lead-in to a a musical montage moment. This is still, this is a bar at nine in the morning full of sailors who get really handsy with, uh, with Nora. Oh, yeah. So
1: his, uh, Mickey Rooney's, okay, I'll just give the actors names lampy's daughter nora played by helen Reddy, who is a uh she was a popular si- singer at the time um comes in she's like where's my dad because of course where else would he be she's awa- she wakes up she's she's like huh my dad's not here he must be at the bar <laughs> and it's like has anyone seen my dad and th- they all point like yep he is here um
0: <clears throat> and he's ranting about a dragon
1: and then that's when they all join into the whole, uh, dragon song. A dragon. I swear I saw a dragon. Don't get me wrong. The song is great. I like the fact that it goes into this crazy dance scenario. But why does
0: it go into that? The
1: reason for it going into it is ridiculous.
0: The reason for it going, it's Mickey Rooney doing a thing. And then that they, that one dude grabs Nora and he's like, let, she's like, let go, let go, change your ways. And I'm like, Are we just going to gloss over this, uh, these, these sailor types getting all handsy, handsy with, with Nora? Just, and she's just going to wave her finger like them. "Mm -mm -mm, No touchy. Just like, what? Excuse me? (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, they all, they, they kick a bunch of beer glasses over and they roll on some barrels and the barrels spray beer everywhere, everybody's dancing and cheering, and they're like, there never, never, never was a dragon. I'm like, this is the weirdest context. for." I mean, if there was some sort of big celebration going on, I would totally see this as a moment where they would celebrate. But no, this is them all saying, no, there was no dragon. What are you doing? You're behaving weirdly. <laughs> this, I, I'm not the only, please tell me I'm not the only one, baffled by the the context of the scene. I don't think it was really beer.
2: <laughs> what was it? LSD is a hell of a drug, I I say.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it is 1970s. So
0: <laughs> By the way, this is the, people here have very 80s hairstyles for 70s. people. Or 80s, sorry, 70s. 70s hairstyles for people from the early 19- From the turn this of is, the century. This is the
1: weirdest anachronistic- uh,
0: Turn of the century town? Uh, yeah.
1: Everybody has the most 70s haircuts.
0: Also, that tavern is ruined because it's completely flooded and sloshed with beer. And ale and LSD. Yeah. I mean what? <laughs> <laughs> the other strange thing is we immediately cut to the next scene and it's uh it's um Oh gosh, it's it's Lampy and uh Nora coming back from the bar. Oh yeah in the evening. So they were at the bar for like nine hours dancing <laughs> on barrels singing there never, never, never was a dragon. <laughs>
1: um and I the lighthouse is actually the only obviously it's the only set piece that's not on a soundstage.
0: Or on a back lot.
1: Nope. Uh,
0: and that lighthouse is awesome. It's oh. it's so good.
1: So they actually built that lighthouse, by the way.
2: Um, yes, and- I've been to where it was built.
1: Oh, in Los Osos? Yes. Oh my gosh, so you know about this.
0: Uh, There's a beautiful stretch of coastline. Owned by PG&E. Oh, really?
2: Yeah, yeah, PG&E owns it and... To go there, you have to ironically sign a waiver that you won't sign PG&E if you suffer any injury or
0: damages. (laughs) If I suffer injury or damages, I'm going to pursue it's because I was a dumb dumb person and, like, jumped off a cliff or something.
1: Uh, Funny enough, they were actually planning to move that lighthouse to Disneyland and have it be, like, a set piece at Disneyland. But um, it did deteriorate quite a bit. Because that's what happens when you have a not-so-stable set piece by the ocean for uh, days at a time. It
0: collapses. A lighthouse. A lighthouse. I swear I saw a lighthouse!
1: Yeah, it, it deteriorated beyond repair, so <laughs> they couldn't move
2: it.
0: Aw, it's a really good lighthouse. Yeah, F- it- <laughs> Built to scale and everything.
2: And ironically, there is another lighthouse very similar in Point Bonita that had already been decommissioned when this film was filmed. Mm-hmm. So it's like, why didn't you just go and ask the Park Service and say, hey, can we use this one?
0: <clears throat> was it? No. <laughs> Did they have? To, do you think it's because they had to do big helicopter shots of the landscape? Because at the end of the movie, well, they... They,
1: they still had to get permission, though, because
2: yeah, they had to get permission to use it. OK, because like... the lens was so big.
0: Hmm.
1: Like, the, there's, honestly, yeah, they just built this whole set, um, but still had to pay, like, because it was so big, like, you could see it for miles, You, they still had to pay all these fees oh, and, like, wow. get permission from, like, the, uh, oh, uh I'm trying to... The think. Coast Guard. Thank you, Coast Guard. And it's like they could, if they were gonna just do that, they could have saved money and used uh, the
2: other lighthouse. <clears throat> But, yeah, it's like they could have gone I mean there's a lighthouse in San Luis Obispo county not far from where they built this one it's like dudes you could have saved so much money <laughs> would
1: they actually yeah they could have allowed them to do like the whitewashing scenes and all that do you
0: think they people would have recognized the lighthouse though or would that uh, I'm not even sure why they it would it build wouldn't. a lighthouse in lieu of like
2: it wouldn't have mattered yeah I don't think it would have
0: wait I, mean, uh, I mean when was when was the lighthouse uh, built the one you're you're talking about S- sakura like uh
2: the one in point benita was built in i believe the
0: 1860s see that still could have worked
2: and it was and not only that it, a lot of lighthouses in california are not the new england style the one in point benita is a very new england lighthouse and it was decommissioned in
1: 1975 yeah so, it, that, uh, so basically they spent more money than they should have to build a set that eventually just deteriorated
2: that's I mean, strange. the only reason, yeah, the only reason I can think of is, for reasons later on that we will get to, they needed to have the light that could be lit, and Point Benita had been converted, I believe, to electric. Oh. But they still could have built a set of just
0: the lamp. They could have, like...
1: It probably would have been better just to do uh, it on set
0: anyway, to be honest. See, like, I think about when they, like, it's not like Disney doesn't done that. Remember when they did, uh, so... I'm gonna deviate super, super quick. Pirates of the Caribbean. They took the Lady Washington, and she normally has a, um, a, like a, a rudder, and you know, like you, you, or a, a tiller to steer. Mm-hmm. But they're like, no, this ship needs a wheel. So they temporarily installed a wheel on the ship so they could have you know the characters in the film take the, <coughs> the wheel of the ship and turn it. But it's just handled by a tiller. And that's a his, you know, that's a historic re, you know, a, a, that's a recreation vessel. That's you know, important. But like. They uninstalled it later and gave it the tiller again. So, like, they could have just done that with that lighthouse, right? Like,
2: mm-hmm. They like absolutely that. could have. I mean, maybe Walt Disney was pissed off at the state of California for some reason and was like, no, we're going to pay PG&E to build a new lighthouse on private land. I mean, who knows what the thought process was. M-
0: maybe it was cheaper. Maybe if they were going to go do something in the public public parks, it was going to be more expensive.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe because at first I was thinking, well, okay, maybe it's because they didn't want the confusion with the lighthouse, but the lighthouse had already been deactivated and they had to get permission and use their prop lighthouse only when the Coast Guard said they could because down at the other end of the same county is more lighthouses. So, <laughs>
0: I don't know. <laughs> God, Did they okay, LSD again,
2: I... was a hell of a drug for everybody <laughs> in this film. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the only the only thing I can think of is that when they do the aerial shots, they would like from a distance that they didn't want to show any like public roads or anything like anything nearby that would like break the illusion that it was but not the have coast to of build Maine it
1: on a <clears throat> on a coast. It's a lighthouse. You still have to...
0: right, but I'm saying like if you if you're looking away from the if you're looking away from the lighthouse, it could be that there were there was modern stuff close by that would have been in shot. I'm Maybe. just saying. Like...
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, it, it could be, but
0: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so, you can be creative with it. So maybe they just really wanted to build a lighthouse. I don't know.
2: They really, really wanted that <laughs> lighthouse, damn it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and maybe they're thinking all along was okay. When we're done with it, we'll take it to Disneyland and it'll be a prop. And maybe that was their thinking all along.
0: That's you know, that's fair rationale. I'm not sure where. Where do you think they would have installed it in Disneyland, though? Because there's not, like, a, a New England port-themed area in Disneyland.
1: Well, you mentioned there was going to be a Discovery Bay.
0: There were talks about a Discovery Bay for a bit. That was a, what a kind of where Star Wars land is going in now. Uh, there were originally plans to put in sort of a San Francisco kind of steampunk-ish Jules Verne-inspired area that was going to be connected to Frontierland.
1: You know where they might have put it? I think somewhere between Adventureland and, um... Um, uh, like kind of probably near where, uh, Mark Twain is.
0: Yeah. They could have put it near where the Columbia docks, like near Fowler's Harbor. That's
1: what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's the only place I could think of. <clears throat> okay. Um,
0: hmm. so along with the- continuing with this movie. Right. We got, we got on a lighthouse kick for a bit there. This, <laughs> and this isn't the first time we're talking to talk about this lighthouse. It, it's important. It's a good set piece. They need it because the lighthouse is important. The other important set piece in this movie, that's not really a set piece, but I guess a location, is the sea cave under the lighthouse where uh, Pete and uh, Elliot are like taking refuge. And uh, I can't remember how Nora kind of found out that there was something going on down was, there.
1: Didn't they have a fire started or something? Was no,
0: maybe like? she saw. I think she might have seen Pete going along the beach at night. I don't remember. I was we literally just watched this movie, and I'm just trying to remember how how she got on. Like, how oh, she
1: caught. She uh,
2: saw that.
0: She must have seen Pete, because
2: yeah, maybe it was her. Maybe her dad saw Pete, because I can't remember either how she knew he was in there. Good question. Okay, everybody, let's rewatch the movie. Okay,
0: <laughs> we'll be back in a sec. Uh, not, but regardless, Nora gets down there. Uh, Pete and uh, Elliot are having a are having a domestic dispute because uh, Elliot wants to play tic tac toe, but Pete's mad at him for like mucking about. When again pete's own fault elliot is a little bit blameless here
1: mm-hmm. well no because oh then why, elliot why, was why would elliot be like hey i'm gonna just mess stuff up like there's a point when because remember you like oh he, yeah like for example pete meets the school lady a school teacher school teachers kind of be mean but right he puts her like petticoat on a nail
0: but just me or is elliot more of a prankster when he's invisible like does he just become a meat like is that like the thing like when, you know, like, when Frodo puts on the ring, he gets eviled. <laughs> he gets a little more evil. So when Elliot turns invi- invisible, he becomes a little bit more of a, of a mean prankster. He just doesn't care I, who he messes up. Invisibility I will mean, do that to you. Look at Claude Rains.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you're invisible, you're not gonna care, so... You
0: yeah. <laughs> just you just
1: stop. It's like, hey, I'm invisible. Who do, what, what do I care? Nobody's... Exactly. <laughs> but uh, Nora sees him. She offers him clam chowder, which... You can't say no to that, because it's main clam chowder. I've had clam chowder in New England. It is amazing.
0: I'm jealous of you, because I've never been to New England, so. we will
1: go one day. We have to, because the two best things there, besides, well, basically any fish, is the clam chowder and the fish and chips. I want to go back to New England so badly just for that.
0: Okay, then. Let's go.
1: Yep. Anyway, uh... <laughs> um... So she makes some clam chowder and discovers he has bruises and uh Pete admits uh oh Mr. Gogan because uh, uh he, he
0: missed the bucket he, he while mi- milking was, the cow. Yeah,
1: he, he was milking a cow and it missed the bucket and it's like, "Oh,
0: <laughs> child abuse." Uh hmm.
1: so she lets him stay there and then they uh he eventually goes to sleep there and they sing <laughs> They
0: they have a song about Elliot. <gasps>
1: it's not easy. To find someone who cares—that's actually a pretty good song.
0: Yeah, the the way the way Pete describes Elliot is pretty odd.
1: He has the head of head a, of a camel, camel, the neck, neck of, of a, a crocodile. crocodile, the neck of a crocodile.
0: I would say it's more of a giraffe neck, but he's both a fish and a mammal. Because can, can he breathe underwater?
1: Oh yeah, because remembering remember in the later on.
0: Oh yeah, okay, never mind. So he is a fish and a mammal.
1: Yeah, the the very described very weirdly.
2: It kinda of makes you wonder, it's like, Pete, have you actually seen your own dragon? <laughs>
0: I'm still of of the theory that that uh, Pete Pete in well, you know Cle- uh, Pete, that that Elliot Cle- is based Elliot is basically a poltergeist. You know how poltergeists are summoned by kids usually in, in incredibly distressful situations. That's yeah. usually the idea. Elliot is just the next level of that, and he was so mistreated by the Gogans he spawned a dragon.
1: Well, here's the and thing. its
0: appearance and stuff changes based on his whims, and he can't control I, it.
1: You know what? I'm with Sakura. he's like
0: Anthony from uh, It's a Good Life.
1: No, I'm with Sakura here. Maybe he hasn't seen his dragon. Have you noticed he? Never- Never looks directly at <laughs> Elliot.
0: Uh, but then other people actually see Elliot. Yeah. What if Pete's the only person who can't? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> or he sees Elliot, but as a vague, hazy outline or something.
1: Uh, poor Pete has like uh, has, like has some sort of disease where he can't. Oh,
0: really no.
2: <laughs> uh, Pete's just really, really
0: nearsighted. LSD it-
1: is one heck of a <laughs> man. <right. laughs>
0: <laughs> it is the seventies. Um. So. Um. So yeah. He. He. He falls asleep in like two seconds after the song ends. And by the way. Um. Oh yeah. I will. I will say. Um. Nora. Nora is a good. Nora is a good character. Oh, we. We find out about Paul. Yeah. We find out about Paul. Her. Her boyfriend who went to sea a year ago and never came back. And he's got the most seventies mustache imaginable. That is
1: a one glorious mustache. I'm not gonna lie.
0: Oh man, it's so sad. and and then his Pete's haircut and Nora's hair and just the way people look. it. It's seventies. It's supposed to be turn of the century, but everybody looks so gosh darn seventies. It's okay. Anyway, um, we don't get candle on the water right after this song, do we?
1: No, that comes later, right? No. That comes later. What happens yeah. after this? I'm trying to remember what happens after this. Oh no, I know what it is. It's Doctor Terminus. Yes. We get introduced to Doc Terminus and Hoagie.
0: Yes. It's the next day in Pasmaquoddy.
1: Yes. And, and... then we're introduced to the two amazing villains. I like these guys. They're over the top. They're chewing scenery like no tomorrow. They're amazing. So
0: this is Jim Dale and Red Button. Yes. And uh, they are the best part of the movie. <laughs> Absolutely they really the are. Absolutely the best part of the movie. When you, when you, when you got the, uh, when you got a snake oil salesman and his, uh, and his, uh, Patsy rolling into town on a, on a, uh, Sail ship. a snake oil sa- a, a sailing wagon, it's, it's, they use an anchor to brace it, and they've got, they've always carrying around one of those, like, like Skele- science, science skeletons. <laughs>
2: they always have the skeleton
1: on hand. It's always there, and it's funny because like re- like Hoagie's carrying it at some point. Like sometimes
0: he's checking its teeth. Like, like they they have this weird affection for the skeleton.
1: Like I'm surprised that skeleton does not have a name and it's not credited in this film.
0: <laughs> um, J- Jim Dale and Red Button, seem to have the the best time with this, and this is this is why I love the movie. This is the parts I do love. Everything with them. It's it's just so much fun to watch them.
1: Yeah, they do. The song they have here is um
0: him mispronouncing Pasmequadi a lot. I
1: don't even know what the song is called. I think
0: it's just called Pasmequadi.
1: It's it's okay. This is actually one of the songs that I'm more midlin about. Mm. And the reason why is I feel like it's less of a song and more of a like a way to show what they do.
0: That they're snake oil salesmen. Yeah, That's what they do. and
1: it's just a conversation back and forth, back and forth. I feel like this is kind of like a weird predecessor to that bell. Like, cause that's a, uh, both songs have that sort of random townsperson talking about thing. Uh huh. Over, it, it's very conversational.
0: Right. But as a song. It, it is. Um, they have that whole thing about the guy whose hair turned They, this is, it established this isn't the first time they passed through this town and sold stuff. Cause you have, even at the very beginning, you have the guy. On the roof of the building with a with a spyglass, going, it's Doc Terminus, and everyone goes, oh no, oh no, it's Doc Terminus, and they all kind of freak out a little bit. Like, like they not all this guy stare
1: again. at him, like, like we are going to destroy you, <laughs> but they totally believe him after he says he brought back uh, potions from Paris,
0: France. Why is it that France is what sells them? I
1: don't know.
0: I'm looking something up because now I'm I'm baffled, thinking to myself, no, not Pete's dragon name. What the heck? uh what are you looking at? I wanna look at the order of things and remind myself did did candle candle in the water came after this right click uh, I'm looking hold on I... never mind no okay, no no
1: no because it's later on
0: yeah okay it is later on
1: uh because there is a oh no because it's at the end of this. Remember, cause the, then Pete tries on his new clothes?
0: Yeah. His new
1: school clothes. And then, um, nor,
0: uh. Oh, and he, he tells, um.
1: Lampy that he wants to show off his clothes to Elliot. And then that's when Lampy says, like, uh, gives, like, this rule, like, no dragon is allowed in an American lighthouse, which weirdly is a real lo- rule.
0: Yeah. You looked this up and you explained to me, no, this is a real, a real article. This is a real, like, thing. No dragon is permitted in a United States lighthouse. lighthouse. I'm like, this is real. Yeah, this is real. This is law. You can't have a dragon in a.
2: Who came up with this?
0: LSD is a is
2: <laughs> a hell of a drug. <laughs>
0: um, but before I'm sorry, before we, let's let's go back real quick. Um, uh, Doc Doc Terminus. Okay, some stuff happens. Doc Terminus is there, and they're trying to sell stuff. And I guess I guess there's not a ton to talk about that with them yet because they get, they get better as they go along, right? Like this is good. They're fun. But then we get the scene you just described. Um, Elliot's hanging out down in the sea cave and then, yeah, that's right. That's when Nora gets the song, right?
1: Yeah. That's when Nora comes up and sings the Academy in a nominated song. I'll be your candle on the water. This which, is good. Very beautiful song. Honestly, it's one of the best songs in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. It does. Uh, does it really have much of a purpose? No, but it's, it's a lovely scene. It's like her standing in front of a lighthouse, uh, in front of the light in the lighthouse. Like, it's lovely.
0: Showcases her singing voice. Mm hmm. For sure. Um, and, uh, now, you know, reminds us it's evening. So now, at this point, two days have passed since Pete, like, technically since the, that we started the movie. Cause the first morning, Pete gets to Pasmaquadi. Yes. This is the second evening. So this is like after he's been in there for, he's been there for a couple days. Yes. Right. So um we go back to And by the way, uh Sakura, I don't want to like gloss over. If you want to talk about anything and we're like skipping ahead too far, you you let us know, okay?
2: No, I mean unless you want to hear me sing candle on the water, which no one wants to hear.
0: <laughs> I disagree, but uh <laughs> fair. Uh I mean I I like I'm I I'm, I'm, I'm No, here's, here's I... the thing.
1: I've been I've been singing that song quite a bit <laughs> lately too in preparation for this. All right. No, I'm not going to sing it.
0: <laughs> I kind of want you both to sing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <did you> no. Know? <laughs>
0: okay. Fine. Uh, let's, let's go to the tavern, back to the same tavern where Doc Terminus and Hoagie are hanging out and being like, man, we're going to, we have to find a way to make enough money to, to get horses because we had to sell, we had to lose the horses or sell the horses. And then, uh, Lampy's in. Lampy comes in. He's drunk. He's drunk again, and he's talking about how he saw a dragon and no one believes him. We we're back around to the dragon thing, even though it's been a couple days. I thought that that whole experience had been kind of sobering for him, but and nope. he hasn't seen Elliot a second time since then, since here. No. No, he's still going back to that. But. And then,
1: but then him and Red Button are like Red Button gets drunk apparently, or Hoagie. He, he
0: was drunk. getting drunk. Hoagie was getting drunk.
1: And then he's like, "I want to see the dragon," and then you got two drunk guys. Two drunk comedians.
0: Walking along the a New England coastline at night with a lantern.
1: This is all, uh, I think this is all improv, or this is all. You, you a good got, chunk
0: of it is improv, right? Yeah.
1: You got two comedians. Right. And they're, apparently during the whole thing, they're like slap sticking it up and they're like, that's great! But we can't really hear you and there's a lot of you guys doing prat and stuff, we gotta restart it all over.
0: Aww. Okay. Well, they probably just took it with the bit they like the best, honestly.
1: Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, again, two comedians.
0: They do have good chemistry together, weirdly, weirdly enough. They do. You have these two characters that barely interact, now they interact a lot, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Doc Terminus is not going with them, but they're the ones who go to the cave and find Elliot, and they actually see Elliot full... Uh, his his full self. But they're talking about this, the dragon in such scary terms that it scares Elliot, and now he's nervous? Yeah. So he... Th- this is a slapstick scene. It's fun. He, it's all right. He
1: gives... Th- uh, Hogie gives him a belt, a.k.a. Uh, a pull from his... His hip flask? His hip flask.
0: Yay, get the dragon drunk. Maybe it'll start seeing pink elephants. It happened with Dumbo. Um,
1: <laughs> no. Uh,
0: I wasn't going to admit it earlier, but before we watched this, our, uh, this, the same day we're recording this, and the same day we finished watching Pete's dragon, we also went and saw Dumbo. Uh, the new one, the live action one. And, uh, um, I, I think it's on the wrong side of okay. (laughs) And that it leans less from, it's a fine movie to more toward, I'd rather not watch it again. Um, we'll talk about that. We'll tell, we'll we'll give you some news about that a little later. Um, but now, but now Hoagie's seen him, uh, Lampy's seen the dragon a second time and Elliot is, well, Elliot is, has had alcohol and breathed fire, so they both take off in their respective directions. Um, and then, uh,
1: Next morning is? No, but, but, but
0: wait, doesn't?
1: Oh, wait, no, yeah, cause, he, cause then, cause Hogi then Hoagie
0: runs back to, to Doc Terminus.
1: And then tells him, like, no, there really is a dragon. And he's like, I hate you when you're drunk. Drunk. Now I hate you when you're
0: I'm not so drunk, fun. you sobered me up. Well, I hate you when you're sober. You know, just, mm. I feel like there's I feel like we're like glossing over stuff and I'm like you normally we're so in depth with these this is Sand Amusings plus we can do what we want.
1: We can say whatever the heck we want in Sand Amusings.
0: Yeah. Um plus. what happens? I What's-
2: think I think it kind of shows though how forgettable a lot of the movie is.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: because you don't have those like Markers that stand out where it's like, and then this happened, and then this happened. It's just like, and then they went to the cave and they saw the dragon again, and then they ran back, and um, and then some stuff happened.
0: This this and it didn't interest me. Apparently, it's a little vignette esque. I want to say it is. Like speaking of speaking of which, oh go go ahead. This
1: doesn't have much of a story, does it? Not
0: really. Things are just kind of cruising at this point. Uh we get actually we get the next song cuz they Here's another weird thing about this. so this is where we learn about the fish shortage cuz it's the third day and um <clears throat>
1: Nora has to, is forcing him to go to school.
0: And then a bunch of people at the fish dock are like, "That kid is the reason we have no fish cuz he's always talking about his dragon." I'm like, "What?"
1: That makes no goddamn sense, but okay.
0: LSD I, uh... <laughs>
1: LSD. There's, yeah. uh, that's
0: what's. That's where the fish. The, the fish have all been driven away by
1: the, all, LSD. all the. All of the sailors are doing LSD. Yep. So-
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Elliot. Elliot hasn't sent. Uh, or no. Uh, Elliot hasn't been sent to go find Paul yet. That comes later.
1: No, yeah. not yet.
0: Because <clears throat> he asks. Uh, Pete asks him to do that at one point. But then, like everybody's yelling that you know all these sailors are like, okay, clearly he's bad luck. We need to get this kid is we're not having a good catch and we're going to blame this kid because he's been causing so much trouble. And then like, then Nora takes that as an, as a perfect excuse to do yet another song, which there's, is...
1: There's room for everyone in this world. Again, lovely song because I like it's been, Helen Reddy has an amazing voice.
0: Isn't she Australian? Yes, she is. She just, she, her accent is pretty good. Like I think that she does a pretty good American accent. Yeah, there's, she only slips like a couple times. There
1: was one, actually caught there was a point when I was listening and she slipped once and I can't remember where. And I was like, I don't think she's American, David. And you're like uh and he was like, What do you mean? I'm like, Well, she slipped there. I don't think that's I I don't think she's American. I looked up and I'm like, Nope, she's
0: Australian. <laughs> um, we did This 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 part. This is another one with context that I think is weird. I mean, it's a little better. It goes on for a while though. Yeah. Lots of the school kids, and it's just like here's some some fishermen yelling at this kid, prompting me to sing this song about everybody has can have space in this world, or there's room for everyone. And then they and then they play a lot in a playground, and there's a big. Um, I do like that there's a big ship's mast in the middle of the town that this town playground that the kids can just climb freely. I'm like ah, 1900. What a time to be alive. No one cared that their kids climb this potentially dangerous ship mast and could fall off and break their heads on the ground. It's, it's wonderful.
1: I didn't, I mean, a lot of us didn't have that even in the early (laughs) nineties.
0: That's what they want us. That's, that's what they, that's what we, uh, we know, but we can't let them know. We can't let, I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) we did have that. That's true. Local park where I grew up. Um, (laughs) Um. then school happens. (laughs) this <laughs> just this really is you I think you you hit it right on the head Sakura, this happens then this happens then this happens that's why this movie is no Mary Poppins Mary Poppins has kind of a cause and effect thing going on you know this
2: in this movie it just the things just happen
0: yep like the Pete goes to school and the teacher's like oh it's you again and and there's a great little like exchange between the teacher and Nora and
1: there is like malice there
0: and yeah
1: uh nor's lying through her teeth about uh pete losing his school records and uh, yeah the
2: school burned down and the flames from the school caught the records department on fire so
0: there's no birth certificate
1: (laughs) when really chances are he's never been to school a day (laughs) in his life and
0: yet he knows that nine times nine is 81 and uh well I don't know where you picked this stuff up because I feel like the Gogans don't have. I feel like the Gogans don't know how to read. My
1: my question is, what was his life before this? I'm assuming it It
0: was was being kicked around by the Gogans, right?
1: Well, no, okay, he was was an orphan
0: before that.
1: But like, was he at an orphanage? Like, where did this knowledge come from?
0: He was bought. They make it clear that he was bought for fifty dollars plus fifty cents.
1: Yeah, so
2: maybe the orphanage had a teacher.
1: Like, really. Maybe. Because the kid knows how to read, too, because he read Passamaquoddy. Yeah. So, I'm assuming, yeah, the orphanage had a teacher, so he must have learned something from the- from, I guess, whatever orphanage that Goken's adopted him from. Uh Uh-huh. It wasn't a good- it's like, apparently the orphanage was great in the fact that they had a good (sighs) teacher, but they were terrible in that they'll let anyone take a kid.
0: Yeah. So a bunch of like, a-, a bunch of like Appalachian hicks roll in and they're just like, we want to bath this kid. And they, they look like they've been living in a, in a, uh, in a gutter for like their entire lives. They, like, and they make- probably, or, and that they've never had a bath yeah. ever. So just, you won two Academy Awards, Shelly Winters. What are you doing in this movie? Uh, <laughs> um, what was, oh yeah. So, so, so. Pete, yeah, I meant that in my sense. I bet Pete miss, missed the orphanage in that sense. Do you think he won't? But how, when did he? That begs the question when did he acquire Elliot?
2: Yeah, I don't think that's ever established.
1: No, it's just that he came to him, basically.
0: Uh huh. So.
1: I'm assuming when it was during the, his time with the Gogans.
0: Yeah, uh, because there's a thing, there's a plot point about Elliot it comes up at the end, but we'll we'll get to that. I think it's... Well, no, I'll just say it. Elliot apparently goes and helps people who are in trouble.
1: He goes to He kids. pals around
0: with them for a bit, usually kids. So he's probably done this before, and he's not... Pete is not his first award, uh, so...
1: Doesn't really do that great of a job,
0: No, he makes... He actually makes Pete's life worse in a lot of cases. Like, okay, prime example, they're at school, Elliot being invisible, and because he's invisible, he's in I must commit misdemeanors mode, starts ringing the bell outside. So then Elliot go or Pete goes out to, I get them mixed up. Pete goes out to check on the bell and says, stop it, Elliot, and grabs the rope. And of course, because he grabs the rope, the teacher sees it, but apparently blames him for ringing it, even though it had been ringing for ages before that, while Pete was clearly in the room. And then Pete, of course, mentions the dragon again. And again, this all would have been resolved. You had just lied about Elliot from the beginning.
1: Just pretended like, oh, hey, yeah, how weird is that? That bell is ringing and it's like... Oh my gosh! It's ringing on its own. What the heck, teacher? What should we do? So don't touch it.
0: <laughs> Long story short, um, Although- Elliot. Uh, the teacher gets mad at Elliot and subjects him to or Pete. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I I'm know. gonna stop talking for a bit. Let to let you you two handle this.
2: Well, yeah, go ahead, Sarah. I was gonna say it is easy to get them confused because I do the same thing and to finally that became like the dragon. And the child. There you go. I'm not going to worry about names. It's the dragon and the child.
0: (laughs) The child gets punished classic school style. The dragon gets angry and... Walks through... Cartoonily goes... Makes a cartoon outline through the wall. Knocks some stuff over. Makes a cartoon outline through the opposite wall. While invisible. Yeah, that
2: was the point where I was just like, Oh my god. (laughs) Really? That is not how... That is not how wood or bodies... Or physics in general works.
0: He is a magical cartoon dragon, though, so that is true.
2: But still, I mean, okay. So we're to believe that the magical dragon ran sideways. Yep. Through the wall. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. LSD. He
0: sure did.
1: And then I think the purpose of this, weirdly enough, is fear. Like this whole scene is just to show uh, Doc Terminus realizes, oh, what Hokey said was true, because he goes to look at the school and realizes, like, oh my gosh, that's a dragon shape. People are freaking out over a dragon. They
0: keep saying a dragon. The dragon happened. By the way, uh there's a nice little gag here that never gets resolved, a cliffhanger gag, where he's he's apparently doing something to someone's mouth. He's got, like, almost... I, I joked with, with Kayla, like, this is a casual jigsaw trap. <laughs> keep exactly. your foot there. Keep it there, or else the thing will rip out your your jaw or something. Like it was weird. I think he was doing like a he was doing like a dentistry, basically.
2: Yeah. What? And then they never go back to him. He's still sitting there. Poor guy. He's not to this day. Later,
0: he's not in their wagon (laughs) tent thing. Later, so I presume either he finishes operation or they had to quickly hide a body. So (laughs) I would like to see that version. I would like to see Jim Dale as Jigsaw now.
1: Would you like- Hello,
0: I'm Doc Terminus. I'd like to play a game.
1: Wait, wait. Ooh, would you like to play a game? Ooh. (laughs) 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 Old Jim Dale. So Jim Dale does the Harry Potter audiobooks, and that's how he talks. Ooh, Harry. Ooh.
0: (laughs) Every character talks like that.
1: That's really how he sounds.
0: Thank, thanks to, uh, and, and, and Hal Loveland of We Got This reinforces that joke. So mm-hmm. really, we stole that from Hal. Thank you, Hal. Uh, <clears throat> um, is this, so here's another, here's another major, uh, fracture point in the movie, too. Everybody has now just seen clear and obvious evidence that there is an invisible being running around. There are no repercussions for Pete. Like, you think this would back up all the sailor's claims that something he's hexed the town's, like, oceans, so there's no fish. And now there's an invisible presence that's, like, doing all this stuff, and there's no doubt in anyone's, there shouldn't be no doubt in anyone's minds that something's going on with this kid. Now it's the 1900s, so obviously they're not going to, like, try him as a witch or anything, but why are there no repercussions? Why don't we see anything? Pete just it's goes and w-
2: Yeah, why is everyone not packing up to leave town?
1: Or, like, throwing the
2: kid out of town for one thing.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It is it is so, so weird.
2: Yeah, it's like, oh, let's freak out about it. Okay, now let's go to the bar and get drunk again.
0: <laughs> oh, kinda man. It's kind of true,
1: actually. That's how the town lives. The town, like, that bartender is the richest man in that whole town. They, they, they're just basically drink
2: to forget everything. And it makes you wonder, like, the way they react to it, w- what has happened to this town before? This invisible dragon...
0: Did Doc Terminus give them a really bad batch of elixir? <laughs> that's the that's only a, thing I could think of, Doc got, Terminus. That's
2: how they got the LSD. And, and AA, it had to be invented by someone. Doc
1: Terminus, man. I'll, he,
0: the, the, the prequel to this, there, we get the, 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 uh, the beautiful song in the movie is Doc Terminus opening a little, opening a little, uh, you know, court, opening a little test tube and putting it in the well and going, I'll put LSD in the water. <laughs>
2: we have to write that song now yes (laughs) yeah
0: please please do oh my god this is this is a great idea um we'll 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 get on that but um um,
1: actually this comes to one of my favorite probably my favorite song in the whole movie which is every little piece
0: yes so they
1: it's not like the best written song or anything like that It's
0: the best performed song and one of the best performed songs because this is one of those situations where the musical moment actually makes sense in context. Yes. Um, they're just alone in their carnival wagon or in their, their apothecary wagon and Doc Terminus has dug up a book about dragons that has a bunch of, you know, a bunch of the alchemical uses for different parts of dragons. Now I imagine this is just a book he had in his collection that he didn't think about until he realized dragons are real. Yeah. But this goes to show that dragons are real because someone wrote this book.
1: And that they had like apparently a dragon industry at some
0: point. There was a apparently a thriving dragon industry. It's probably why they developed the ability to turn invisible.
1: But yeah. That is very true. <laughs> but they're like singing about like the different parts of a dragon and what it can do. And they realize, oh my gosh, we can make a lot of money
0: from this. Oh my gosh, this I love the parts where like they pull back the curtain and they just yell out into the night. Watch the prophets come rolling in. And they're just yelling out into like midnight, Pasmaquali. It shows that it like, and the camera actually cuts while they're singing to show that the town is empty. There's no one they're singing to. The only thing that would have made this scene better is while they're singing it and just being loud. At some point, a shoe flies out from somewhere off camera and hits one of them in the face. Someone
1: yells, shut up. We're trying to sleep. <laughs>
0: This is they're really bad at, at uh hiding their evil plans. But they're
1: like chewing scenery and it's amazing. Like dragon powder gross hair <gasps> and just, <laughs> just like wow.
0: I like the part where they're dancing on their little stage and you actually see their, their uh their um like band uh, arrangement so, so, is playing along. Yeah, we I never noticed that before. Yeah, we
1: were watching um so you you they have like a little in on their um Wagon? Um, on their wagon there's like a little like a few instruments that play whenever they're like introducing stuff. The trumpet actually plays while they're singing the song and I'm like that's a good touch there. It's very subtle but it's that's a good touch. Um But yeah they sing this fun song about them getting money and basically going nuts and like they're gonna get rich off this dragon. It's the villain song and they're eating up the... They're just eating up the scene, and my gosh, the scenery is just so wedged between their teeth. (laughs) It's...
0: It's Because they're not choking on it. Yeah. So they leave to to go figure out what to do about um, Elliot, and then we immediately cut to the next day, and they're making their way to the lighthouse. So they walked all night, probably singing, money, 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 by the pound, the whole way. Um,
1: How far does like nora and lampy live like is a lighthouse like you that- can
0: see you can see pasmaquoddy off in the distance as a matte painting during the, some of these shots it's a decent walk
1: yeah but like they're they like walk all night or when did they sing the song did they not sleep
0: maybe it was three or four in the morning i don't know
1: could be never <laughs> what and uh the next morning is nora and uh, the boy.
0: <laughs> Nora and the boy are painting the lighthouse, and they're, they're not doing a very good job. They're
1: whitewashing.
0: Um, Doc Terminus are, offers to buy, uh, Elliot from Pete.
1: For, for five bucks. For
0: five dollars, which is a lot in 1900. And Pete's like, he's not for sale. You'd have to, like, talk to him or whatever. How
1: much would fight? But
0: there he is on the beach, but he's invisible. Ha 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 ha. And then they get deafened with it, with the foghorn? That was mean-spirited.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was. But I mean, let's be honest. In reality, if they were that close to that foghorn, they'd still be deaf.
0: They'd be oh yeah, permanently deaf. They're not, but th- th- um, they they leave dejected, trying to figure out the best way to go to get Elliot. Um, because they Pete's not interested in selling. And then I think is this the part where they? Uh, well, yeah, this is the part. Lampy, Lampy, and. Uh, I'll respond to that. Um, they're, they're, they're. Um, my train of thought derailed, and there were no survivors. Okay, um,
1: so I, look, <laughs> I looked it up. Um Five dollars in nineteen hundred is actually a hundred and forty-nine dollars and forty-seven cents now. So I would say one hundred and fifty now.
0: So he offered to buy his dragon for one hundred fifty bucks.
1: Yeah. Uh, in nineteen seventy-seven, it would have been thirty-six dollars,
0: okay. seven cents. Go buy yourself a gumball. <laughs> um. So yeah, they were like we've we've been thinking about it. It's been a good three, four days now. You can you can just live with us permanently.
1: Uh this is the best day of my life. Great great read there, kid.
0: <laughs> so they have our they have their Brazzle Dazzle Day. This is the uh maybe not the worst song, but it's not you could tell this was the the one that they thought was gonna be like the earwormy one. I don't like this song. Uh, me neither.
1: What do you think? Yeah, me neither. Yeah. Okay, yeah,
0: good. No. Let's let's not we don't have to talk about it then. So let's move on. <laughs> I'm sorry if you like it, listeners. i I just I don't. I never I've never cared for it. Mm-hmm. Um And then somewhere in here that's where Pete mentions that he sent Elliot off to find Paul, right?
2: Yeah, because he asked he asked, I can't remember if he asked Nora or Lampy what Paul looked like, because he needed to, n- to describe him to Elliot.
1: Well, he had the picture, remember?
2: Yeah, but I can't remember if he got it from Nora or from Lampy, because something just happened in this movie, and...
0: <laughs> um, they do a thing, and then, but this isn't, this isn't the part where, ugh, my brain. This isn't the part where they start trying to tell him that they don't think, um, Elliot is real, Right. Or is that right before they.? Okay. Mm. I don't think humor- so. Lampy kind of knows he's real because he's seen him twice now. But, um, Nora still hasn't seen him. Um, I. Anyway, they're in a boat and they're trying to catch lobsters at something. <laughs> and then the Gogans show up because they just. They're, they're just there. They're going to be back in the movie.
1: You're like, oh yeah, that. These jerks. They came back. We're- I thought we got rid of
0: them. And of course, right when they start their song, like "Oh no, it's the Gogets. and then they all loom creepily from behind a thing in another jump scare moment, and then they—probably one of my more hated songs in the film, just because it. Oh, every time I hear it, it gets stuck in my head because it's so repetitive, and that's "We gotta be losing right here." Um, I like the song. It's fine. I just get it gets stuck in my head. It never goes away. This is the one song you and I actually disagree on uh like, i know why you like it you like it because there's that bit where where Nora sings and that's fine where she talks about what how if they try to take I, him
1: i think it's a good back and forth song for yeah me. and then i also like the fact that Nora <laughs> points is because you were like saying it's like oh there's gonna be a uh fist fight or the, what did you say like
0: there should, there's gonna be I, I hope there's a fist fight i yeah, want there to be a fist fight you're like
1: oh there's gonna be a fist fight and i said i don't think it's a fist fight because then Nora says Stay where you are, just one more move and you'll get it between the eyes. I'm like, it's gonna be a gunfight.
0: <laughs> the Gogans brought a bill of sale to a gunfight. Yeah. <laughs> um where is where is her gun then? Where is Nora's gun? I don't see it in the boat with them. Yeah. Oh, I guess she didn't she wasn't anticipating these 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 hicks showing up and being like Nope. I don't like how they just flash this deed around like it's gonna make any difference. I mean I guess they they do have a legal claim. It doesn't amount to anything, especially after um, Elliot turns up in torpedo form to blow up their boat as they're chasing <laughs> them in the the harbor. And then the part that always weirded me out is when they're flying through the air in slow motion. And while they're flying through the air in slow motion, they're still going, we got to build a sailor all right here. What? like, really? Okay, sure. That,
2: that's a- Who doesn't sing while being thrown through the air? I mean, come on.
1: I would sing while being thrown in the air
0: if I could. In slow motion? Yeah. Okay. But wouldn't you think like, we' like, never mind, it's slow motion. um, but yeah, the Gogans are are thwarted by Elliot, and yeah, no, the scene I'm thinking about hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Elliot went off to look for Paul, and then he came back, and he came back just in time to rescue them from the Gogans who were gonna row after them, um and then they're 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 in the bar.
1: Yeah. Again, it's and then this happened and this happened. They're
0: in the bar and Doc Terminus says, "Hey, I know you want to get the kid. Maybe you can help me out because I don't want the kid. I want his dragon. So we're going to do this thing." And the Gogans agree to it, and some stuff happens. And again, all the stuff. I mean, I I I don't want to I don't want to I want to stress the fact that I I love Jim Dale and I love Red Button in this movie, and I think they're hilarious, and every scene they're in is great. But I'm I'm starting to get tired of talking about this movie. (laughs) Yeah, I am too. Uh it's just. Sakura, so, what happens next? They kidnap Pete. That's
2: right. And use him as bait to get Elliot.
0: Right. And
1: then Hoagie I mean, they up...
2: kidnap the child and they use him as bait for the dragon.
1: That's right. And then Hoagie goes to get Elliot. I like, yeah. Then
0: there's some stuff, and, and 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 Doc Terminus convinces the the sailors that they need to help him catch the dragon cause in order to get their fishing back. Yeah, so that was kind of built on. So, props, I guess, for trying. Oh, oh, there is okay. a cool part. There, there is
1: a cool part because remember when they bring invisible Elliot back? Um, they drop a net on him, and it's pretty cool
2: looking. Actually,
0: I do like that part. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah,
2: they did good on that.
0: Um, I also like. Th- here's here's something I noticed, and in a in a this is probably a times thing, but there's a there's the bit where. There know a storm's coming, they're getting ready for it and and uh Pete mentions to Nora that uh Elliot found Paul and Paul is on his way home. And this is the point where Nora's like, Now listen, I think we gotta face facts that I have to face the fact that Paul is never coming home and I think you gotta face the fact that there is you No know, Elliot. No Elliot. No Dragon. But he doesn't accept that and instead of trying to, you know, beat beat um Pete over the head with it, I actually like this. Nora actually kinda goes, Well, I guess you know, if Elliot did this, then like she continued, like she kind of relents and and continues to humor him and doesn't shame him. And I thought, in a lesser movie, this would be in a lot of movie tropes. This would be the part where she would go, "You got to stop being silly. There never was a dragon, and I never believed you." And then there would be a falling out, and the kid would run away upset, and then something would happen. You know,
1: the fact that didn't... the fact that yeah. that didn't
0: happen immediately redeem continues to redeem. Uh, continues to um,
1: well, not continues to at least is a better.
0: Well, okay. I'm, I know I'm saying it could, it, not when I say continues to, I, it continues to endear, uh, Nora's character to me.
1: Nora's a great character. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm saying, Nora. I'm saying
0: I like that they avoided that because I feel like that is such a tropey thing that a lot of movies do nowadays, especially kids movies, mm-hmm. where there's an imaginary, a so-called imaginary thing. You've got a trusted adult who acted like they believed you and then they tell you they don't believe you. And then when you argue it, no, I did. It was true. They get mad at it and then there's like a falling out. That doesn't happen here, and I'm happy about that. And more movies should do that if they want to continue to Yeah, I really... Go on. No, so go, go I was finished, basically.
2: They really, for the movie, I think having the message that, you know, have hope, have faith, have belief, and the fact that, like you said, she didn't just say, no, you're wrong, it's imaginary friends, stop it, really is what helped the movie keep that tone. Mm-hmm. It would have completely ruined the whole, you know have faith and believe and have hope and there would have been no coming back from that i think if at that point nora had said no you don't have an imaginary friend stop it i don't believe you
1: i also think too one of the reasons it does work out why she would believe him (laughs) is she knows that he comes from a really bad situation like abusive situation situation so it's like she
0: The
1: fact she is like a mature enough adult Or a mature enough individual to understand Even if it's not real He's using it to maybe help cope
0: He needed it to cope with his being abused by the Gogans all those years Yeah, so
1: so even if it wasn't true And even if he wasn't real She recognizes it's still It may be a mechanism to help him Just as her hope for Paul Was a mechanism to help her Keep the word So she's
0: ready. She acts like she's kind of ready to move on, but maybe he's not.
1: Yes. So she, so
0: she lets it go. She drops it.
1: I, I actually do appreciate that. I appreciate that this is, and honestly, it should show more adults like this that are like, um, that take the, like understand, like, you know, maybe he still needs this. Mm -hmm. And then it turns out. And
0: then when it's proven true, it's actually more satisfying. Yeah. Yeah instead of like haha ha, the kid was right the whole time you never should have been mean to him it's like this is what your hope and faith like you like you were saying this is where your sort of your your the belief and and f- having faith and keeping yeah it, it's where it pays off it has more of a payoff because of it when when Nora finally sees Elliot you know the, what was- the last the last part of the movie is actually a lot stronger, because now some conflict happens.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, problems. it really is.
1: <laughs> Although, I'm sorry, this was a terrible payoff, where, like, oh, no, the thing, this, uh, this, uh, wire or electric, way, uh, a,
0: a power line.
1: Wait, wait, wait. What year is Or this? a telephone
0: line. It's a tel it's 1900, it's, like, the early 1900s. So there, there's, there could Did be, we... it was a telephone pole of some uh, sort.
2: Okay, I guess we can...
0: It's because the telephone's been around by this point.
2: Yeah, it would have had to have been... It, it, I mean, it could have been a telegraph line. Oh, that's, that's there's true. that, too. That's true. Yeah. But, but like, it's almost going to
1: land on the townspeople, and he's like, there really is a dragon! Yes! And he saved us!
0: <laughs> um, I do want to... I do want to mention the whole bit in the boathouse is it like we talked about the invisible dragon with the net on it. Good that's a good bit. And then and there's also the bit where 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 Hoagie has to go to the cave to tell to to spring the trap on Elliot to tell Elliot that and I love the like pep talk that uh Doc Terminus gives Hoagie to oh, send yeah. him out there. And Hoagie like, yeah, and he marches off and then turns around and just walks back up to Doc Terminus just goes, No <laughs> They're so good. Um yeah, Doc Terminus is ultimately defeated by his own harpoon gun that they were gonna straight up murder Elliot with. Use a goofy. <clears throat> oh yeah, he has the goofy yell. When the, the harpoon fires and he gets the, the rope wrapped around his leg and he gets attached to the pole, um, or the post, the mast of the ship? I think, I don't know. Something happens. And then, <laughs> and then, and then something <laughs> happens. And then this thing ha, I, um, and this whole time, um, it's a good thing that Elliot wasn't in the cave and Hoagie left him, cause like moments later, the biggest wave imaginable crashes into the shore and breaks the, the, the light.
1: Apparently the waves have gone crazy out on the sea, <coughs> and it, un- it just so happens, it's Paul!
0: It's Paul's ship!
1: And he's come back!
0: He, Elliot, cause Elliot went, he was right, he was right, Elliot went and found him.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, The lighthouse uh, light goes out because waves going crazy, man.
0: Yeah, again, Elliot and Hoagie would have died had they not been in that cave. Had they been in that cave where those major storm waves hit. Because the cave is directly under the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. So, like, yikes. Um,
1: So uh, they hear the fog horn and uh, uh, Pete er, Pete and Elliot realize, oh, we got to go back. So they fly back.
0: Oh, the Gogans, the Gogans got a sound thrashing too and basically took off. Oh uh,
1: yeah, aren't they like all covered tar? They're covered in tar. tar. Where'd the tar come from?
0: They're outside of boat works. They're going to need tar or pitch or something. Cock? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> um, they're covered in. Yeah. Uh, then they go and, and the thing, and then another thing happens and Elliot rides through the air and Pete rides on Elliot's back and the child gets out of the platform and the dragon uses its dragon breath to, turn the light back on just in time so the ship doesn't crash into the rocks and saves the day and Nora sees him and is like, hey, yo, what up? You're <laughs> real. And Pete was like, yeah, and then, told you so.
1: And then gives him a big kiss on the nose and that was...
0: And he disappears.
2: Weirdly awkward. But if you remember though, first leading up to the relighting of the light, Elliot tried to go up the stairs of the lighthouse and got oh. stuck. Oh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, what? Like, that makes no sense. It does you it?
1: couldn't just stick your head in the lighthouse thing like
2: really like there's no windows left Ellie. It's just blow fire
0: it's again uh,
1: drama we have to cause so we it's gotta... there's
0: it's a there it's a timing thing and and, and timing
1: this is a two hour long movie
0: I'm saying it's a timing thing for the drama like right. the timing has to be of the essence, or else the ship will crash into the rocks i don't i don't know you're absolutely right it also it's another Issue of how big is Elliot actually? Because we don't—he his size just seems to vary all the time. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but as soon as she kisses him, cut to the next morning and the fish. A dragon. A,
0: dragon! a dragon! Uh, uh, there really was a there dragon. There really was a there, dragon. <laughs> and they like and and somehow he made the fish come back. That never got explained, right?
2: Nope. It turns out Paul was the one the fish were following.
0: Ah, uh, wait—that was it.
2: <laughs> That was sarcasm, Kayla. Oh. <laughs> I wouldn't believed anything. We've been then, playing- I mean, think Here's about the- it. The fish were gone, but then Paul comes back and the fish come back. <laughs> Pete and Elliot had nothing to do with it. It was Paul.
0: We should really thank Paul.
2: Thank you, Paul, for bringing
1: the fish back.
0: <laughs> thank you, Paul, for bringing an amazing mustache into this film. <laughs> um,
1: Big 70s mustache.
0: That, um... I, I, the reason I don't under, I I completely understand why you might think that for a split second because we've been playing Wind Waker and one of the things that comes up is like, oh, I've never seen seagulls flock like that. Whenever you see Link's sister Errol, she's always surrounded by seabirds. So they, they follow her. They flock to her. So yeah. Uh, so Paul being followed by fish, not a huge stretch of the imagination. Paul is the the fishmonger. The fish I'm whisperer. I'm sorry.
1: These these sailors believed. Oh, the reason why the fish are gone is because this kid showed up and the fish
0: left. And now they now they're praising it because this is that thing. S- sailors will 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 praise the same thing that they they cursed earlier because oh suddenly fishing's good. Well, clearly it must be this thing, you know. <laughs> so maybe Elliot had nothing to do with the fish. Like yeah, I think you know what. I'm starting to come around to to this idea that they just they wherever Paul is, there are fish.
2: <laughs> exactly. This is the sequel that we
0: need. Paul, the the Paul. sequel, uh, Paul's fish instead of Pete's dragon. <laughs> yeah. um, so then Paul explains to Nora what happened. He, it is the most contrived thing I've ever heard. He was the sole survivor of a shipwreck. He had amnesia when he woke up in the hospital. And then one day, his bed tips over, not long ago, and he hits his head and regains his memory. And then he gets on the first ship he can, back to Pazmaquoddy. And of course, we know Elliot is apparently an expert at phromology. So he, like, <laughs> tips the bed over in such a way that he lands on his head in just the right ankle, angle, ankle. He landed on his ankle, and somehow that... <laughs> <he regains>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's some, like... The cre- whoever wrote this just pulled that out of nowhere like oh we need to explain why Paul's been gone for a year well
0: <laughs> so so then they they brazzle dazzle day again
1: and oh no wait because then uh Elliot tells him I have to go to another boy so I'm never seeing you again bye
0: yeah <laughs> that was a little abrupt wasn't it yeah just all of a sudden well I guess I've done my part you're now settled in a lighthouse keeping family you've got an alcoholic uh adopted sort of grandfather and, but a really cool and chill, um, well, well, uh, mannered and, uh, beautifully, beautiful singing voice woman for a mother figure. And, and now you got a, now you got a, a man who is, has an affinity for fish and cool mustaches as your, uh, as your, I guess your kind of dad. Have fun! <laughs> Watching the sequel, uh, the first thing that happens is you just see Maquoddy on a quiet evening and all of a sudden gogans loom out from nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> jump scare at the end of the movie, Gogan's. Um
1: This movie's a mess.
0: Yeah. Everybody waves to the helicopter as it flies away at the end. Who um, boy. I will say, there's a reason to just, you know how they, so you know they re, when they remade Pete's Dragon? Yeah. I have reason to believe that it's just a sequel to this Pete's Dragon, and that Pete, uh, the uh, Pete in that movie is just a different Pete, but it's the same Elliot, just years later. And he's still helping kids in trouble, you know.
1: I haven't seen the new 2016 versions. I know it
0: has nothing to do. The plot has almost nothing to do. It has the same beats in some cases, but it has. There's no Pasmakwadi. There's no Doc Terminus. There's none. Of, it's set in modern day.
1: That I could figure out though.
0: But I just like to. I, I've never seen it either. But I just like to think. Okay, here's the way you justify it. It's technically a sequel because it's just another Pete, but with the same dragon. And he's still going, he's going around helping kids all the way up until the modern day.
1: Uh, this movie's okay. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: I, I liked it more than the Dumbo remake. That's, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, we'll discuss the Dumbo remake on, <laughs> uh, on Nothing New.
0: The, yeah, that's right. We're going to be guesting on, uh, Nothing New, a remake podcast talking about Dumbo, the original and the remake, which we had to spend money to watch because, uh, Andrew and, uh, Justin thought, hey, we should see this and we say, can we just wait till Aladdin because I'd rather see Aladdin if we have to see one of them uh, yeah closing thoughts Um, this movie is okay
1: Sakura what do you think
2: it, it is okay like I said the only thing I really took out of the movie that I'm glad I was able to is you know if you hope and if you believe maybe you'll be right <laughs> and maybe some things will get destroyed along the way but it'll be okay
1: that is okay,
0: I... but that's a, that is such a Disney movie message, though. When you wish upon a it really a star. is. When you wish
2: upon it, a star, it really is. is yeah,
0: true. How many? How many other? How many other movies have done this so far in the entire canon? A a lot.
2: I... But how many movies have promoted that alcoholism will solve your problems? Yeah.
1: Well, does it? Does alcoholism solve this? I feel like it. I think it's just glossed over. Like it, the it alcoholism really was and the, yeah. the
0: implied the the it's a little bit more
1: than remember
0: a little bit more than it's a the bit the than it's a the bit more than it's a little bit more are it's like, you grab you grab Pete, and I'll hold her,
1: like, and they're fighting over who's going it's a little bit more
2: than it's a at least had some consequences for the alcoholism and the sexual harassment, I think it would have gone over better. Yeah. Did just say you can just be an alcoholic and drink all day and tell people you see dragons, because you might
0: really have seen one. You could run into rubes and go, ah
1: I mean, they could have at least shown like <clears throat> that could have been something with Lampy that he was an alcoholic and then it's at some point he's decided to give it up.
0: That could have been It I seemed mean, like he was sobering he up as the movie went on. Like mm-hmm. after the la- only other time we see him drunk is when he's talking to, to was when he's with Hoagie going to see um but there was elliot so it'd
1: be interesting if like it was just like why is he an alcoholic why is this a thing why is this a? does coal- it
0: matter it's it, i don't i i don't feel like we need to know that much about lampy i don't know there's some details you're right there's some details that get glossed over yeah it's just how ha- alcoholism is funny yeah
1: that's basically mickey rudy
0: behaving like a drunk man is funny
1: Mm-hmm. at eight o'clock in the morning
0: He's it, it it to to his credit it is funny he does some good pratfalls and little one liners and stuff so yeah Mickey Rooney red button um uh, d- uh blah, blah, blah.
1: I think the charm of this film is the fact that they overact like crazy and they're chewing scenery yeah and yeah the
0: word I, the words chew scenery have lost all meaning to me after this discussion. <laughs>
1: And that's the funny part about, it. like, that's what makes it charming, that's what makes it funny. It's like, you. it's it's not a good movie. Like, this is clearly not a good movie, it's a messy movie. But it's an enjoyable watch, from what I gather. It's still a very, it's a very silly movie. There's a lot of problems, but I, I don't know why. I can't
0: help but enjoy good chunks of it, though.
2: And that's it, there's some scenes that are really good and work really well with the actors that are in them that then you can kind of forget about mm-hmm. the other stuff that happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's because they're surrounded by some scenes that are just kind of mediocre and have real phlogic ingrained in them, you know?
1: I do like yeah. the idea that it's set in 1900s, like, Maine. That's not, I mean, but other than, like, Stephen King films, but, like, I, that's not usually a scene that we've, like... S- or, like, a setting that we've seen in Disney films before, you know what I mean? Like, like n- we don't really have places set in, like, fishing towns, from what I've remembered in past Disney films, so.
0: Not really. I
1: kind of like that sort of concept.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I find it weird that basically it's completely anachronistic and everybody looks like they're from the 70s, but. <laughs> well,
0: that's just a product of the fact that it was made in the 70s. Um, well...
1: Uh, but the, I think what makes this movie important to animation in general was this is what gave Don Bluth his, like, uh, first of all, this is his first um, animating as a director, like a, working as an animation director and being able to show his skills, but then not only that, realizing I can't work for Disney anymore and then leaving to start up on his own and then creating some amazing animated films. It's
0: a good thing he did cuz they needed the competition. It kind of lit a fire under their under their chairs, you know.
1: Yeah. Cuz like again, the 80s were honestly in terms of animation, the 80s belonged to Don Bluth. Mm-hmm. Don Bluth took over the animation business with his films.
0: We will talk about Don Bluth someday, like yeah. his work, his filmography, because mm-hmm. man, oh man, that's an interesting rise and fall story in itself.
1: Yeah. And the way that it's parallel to Disney's animating films, like it's kind of weird. Yeah. How parallel it is. Like even to the date, it's weird. Um, if you would have guessed, like this movie had mixed reviews, um, people, hated it. Some people really didn't like it. Some people liked it. Uh Cisco gave it 2 out of 4 stars. Like it's just they wanted they expected more out of this film and really it doesn't deserve more than
0: but it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Not a I mean,
2: I would say if if someone wants to know the story, you can go to archive.org and you can actually borrow the record book and it includes the audio, read that, listen to the songs. It's free. It's awesome. S- it actually makes more sense. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, quite, actually, listen to the soundtrack. I would have recommend that too. Like, there's actually quite a few
0: really good songs from this. There are, yeah. Also, go find the uh, Pushing Daisies cover of Candle on the Water. It's <gasps> that, really good. It's
1: free and it's so good, guys. Like, <laughs> the, they actually, in Pushing Daisies, they do a, um, a, uh, a cappella version with, uh, Kirsten or Kristen, sorry, not Kirsten. Kristen Chenoweth, amazing! It's so good. Like I totally recommend that.
0: It sounds really good when it's kind of it's kind of a jazzy acapella. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that that um uh, says all we need to say about Pete's Dragon, and with that, we can say goodbye to Pazmaquoddy goodbye, and fly away in our helicopters. They wave at us. Uh, Sakura, thank you so much for joining us for this episode.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me on.
0: Happy to do it. Uh, if people want to uh, look into the things that you do, uh, what would you recommend?
2: Um, they can follow me on Twitter, at Sakura, and I also stream once or twice a week on Twitch with the same username, Sakura.
0: Excellent.
1: I've been to a couple of uh, or actually quite a few of those. They're
2: actually a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> what kind of stuff do you Yeah, think? we do
2: have a lot of fun on there. <laughs> um, I stream Fridays between 8 and 8.30 p.m. depending on what I'm cooking for dinner. <laughs> and... Because <laughs> the last few times, it's like, I tried to go for eight, but if I make lasagna, it always ends up taking longer. Understandable. And it's like, I'm sorry, but my lasagna is more important than you listening to me watch a movie.
0: Lasagna is always the most important. Don't ever... No, no one should kid themselves.
1: <laughs>
2: exactly.
0: Awesome. <laughs>
1: um, so, this is... Uh, we have another um, Animusings uh, for this month. We're going to be doing The Rescuers coming up. Hey. And that'll come out in the end of the month.
0: Fantastic. So, so. keep it, keep your ears out for that. Again, uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on our continued journey through the, the ups and downs. And we're kind of moving into a down, I feel like, at this point with uh, with Disney. Um, but, you know, like anything, they're still there's the films are still... Worth talking about, no matter how their what their quality is, because this is this is uh it's all about looking at how animation in this with this particular company and this particular progenitors of this style kind of evolved, mm-hmm. and uh, things are going to get interesting when we get to the rescuers.
2: I'm looking forward to it.
0: Definitely, again, Sakura, thank you for joining us. Thanks and for having me. Happy to do it. <laughs> and, and remember, kids, uh, don't do don't do drugs.
1: Jokes are bad, cave.
0: I'll put LSD in the water.
1: (laughs) To all who come to this happy podcast, welcome. Nothing new is something new. That
0: great poets imitate and improve
1: Where our small ones steal and spoil
0: Hi, I'm Andrew And I'm Justin And if it wasn't readily apparent at that We're huge nerds about remakes That's why we're doing the Nothing New Podcast Once a month, we'll sit down and talk
1: about a remake in detail and its original Covering them in whatever order they come out From Wizard it was, to it, and beyond They're remaking Stuart Gordon's 1986 sci-fi horror classic From Beyond Oh, no Oh, that's going to be a long time coming. Anyway, if that sounds up your alley, come join Justin and I, and maybe a guest or two, to explore
0: the wonderful world of remakes, film by film. Remakes have been done forever. People talk, but Scarface don't even know that was a remake. Oh, nicely said. Don't thank me. Thank Antoine Fuqua. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at benviewnetwork.com.